Welcome to another episode of Home with the Cousins. We know there is no straight line through a construction project, and it's our goal to help you zig and zag in the most efficient manner possible to save you time, money, and heartache throughout the process. In this episode, we're covering the cleanup and restoration in post-disaster areas. With the recent hurricanes in both Texas and Florida, it has affected hundreds of thousands of people, with over 735,000 people applying to FEMA for assistance already. With emotions running high and a need to get their homes fixed, people are more susceptible to scams and shoddy work. Now, we know the vast majority of people and contractors are there to help, and it's times like these that we love to see the solidarity in our country. But the fact remains that scammers prey on the vulnerable, and the site of a natural disaster is just that. So we want to talk about, first and foremost, how to avoid these scams with best practice advice. And then we want to talk about a good process to go through to get your home back to a safe living condition. If you know someone who can benefit from this episode directly, we strongly encourage you to please pass it along. Now, without further ado, let's jump into it. So not uh, not one of the more fun episodes. We can yeah. start by saying that, that's for sure. Yeah, but but uh, certainly an important one. I was just going to say, this is something, of course, you cannot turn on the television without seeing something about Hurricane Harvey or Hurricane Irma. Uh, you know, we have friends that have been directly affected um, sure by Hurricane Harvey who have lost it all. And we've also worked through many of our own issues when Hurricane Sandy hit us and we saw the devastation firsthand. We were, I mean, you, I know when you were in Jersey City, you were without power for, for 10 days. Sure. Yep. Um, I had left. I Luckily, I could stay with um, my, my in-laws because um, there, there, was, there was no power there. And we saw how many of our friends and family, your parents, who were flooded out and, and lost so much. Yeah. Well, look, there's, there's no fast recovery after something like this. I mean, you look back in our history, I mean, New Orleans is still recovering from Katrina. New Jersey is still recovering from Sandy. Um, and and uh, there's no doubt that that uh, the effects of Harvey and Irma are, are going to take a while to to uh, to get through. Um, so, like we said, we wanted to start with with some best practice tips on on how to avoid the scammers, how to avoid the people that aren't there to help. Um, and you know, it, it kills me to have to focus on this because there is so much good going on right now, but. The good is already helping. We want to help you avoid the bad. So the first thing is the high-pressure sales technique. You know, these guys are going to be coming at you, preying on emotions, uh, offering maybe special pricing. Uh, if you sign up right now, immediately, um, or or if the price in general just sounds too good to be true. Anything that sounds too bit good to be true usually is. And there's one other super shady uh, sales technique um, that that we've heard about, um, and that is these guys putting these uh, FEMA-approved list of contractors. It's unbelievable. Uh, they're, they're saying they're on the FEMA-approved list. Guys, there is no FEMA-approved list of contractors. It doesn't exist. Um, but we've heard stories that people are um, are putting FEMA logos on business cards and, and, and saying that they're FEMA-approved. Uh, it, it, it doesn't happen. So anybody who is 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 pushing you to make a decision quickly, knowing the state that you're in and knowing the state of affairs in the surrounding area, 
is is somebody where a, a red flag goes up right away. Yeah, and and that's what they want to do. They know emotions are high. They know that in some cases you've you've lost everything, and you want to get back to normal. So, like anybody in a situation like this, you're going to say, you know what? Absolutely, I just want to push put this past me. I want to make sure that I get my house back together like it used to be. And you're not thinking clearly. You're not breaking down the process. You're not saying, wait a second, I have to step back and I have to look at this and think rationally right now because it's going to be a lot of money. Am I going to be covered? And what am I going to have to pay out of pocket? And I think that's something that that really we start to think about. So you start thinking about the payment process. First and foremost, you don't want to pay anything up front. If a contractor comes up to you and says, look, right now you have to give me, you know, because I have so many people asking me uh, to do their job, I want 100% of the payment and I'm not going to take the job. Red flag, absolutely not. That's that that's not going to happen. Um, also, if they're telling you to just pay with cash, there's no way. There's no, there's no way. Even in a normal setting, and if you've listened to our, our project planning process, we tell you, do not pay in cash. You want to have a record of it. And it's so important to be so detailed when a disaster hits because you need that for FEMA. You need that for your insurance. You need that for your records to really understand, even for tax purposes. Because these are things that you know when, when, when tax time comes, there's going to be write-offs that you can take for disasters like this. Um, you want to make sure that you're putting, when you are writing a check, it's going in the name of the business, Absolutely. not a personal check. That is very, very important. You do not want, you do not want to write out, um, a check to the individual's name. And you know, a lot of the guys, again, they're going to push you. They're going to say, you need to do this now. You need to give me this deposit because I'm, I'm stretched thin. I, guys, take a break. And just say, wait a second here. I have to make sure I'm looking out for, for myself here and I'm not going to pay any money up front and the guy's going to disappear and he's not going to come back. And, and let's not forget, you know, uh, there's no, there's no, uh, you know, pay me money to hold your spot in line either. You know, there's, there's no way it's like, look, there's three people in front of you. If you give me a deposit today, you're next in line. But if I go next door and they pay me, they're going to be before you. These, this, these are not these are not above board sales tactics, and it's it's not okay. Um, the next part, uh, and this this th- we're we're gonna start talking about paperwork now. This goes back to everything that we talk about on, on this podcast, making sure you're crossing T's and dotting I's. And we will say again, we know how badly you want to get back in your home. We know how badly you want to get your family back in your home, but slow is fast. Yeah. Taking a second to make sure that this is all on the up and up is is going to save you time in the future. Because if you pick the wrong person, this process is going to get infinitely longer. So when we talk about paperwork, what are we talking about? We want a written bid with line item prices like we would on any construction job. Not $50,000 to redo everything. No. 10000 for this, 3000 for that, 4000 over here. You want to see the detail. Two, written contract, signed by you, signed by the contractor. Three, 
insurance, general liability insurance, million dollar policy minimum, and your workers' comp insurance. Those two pieces of insurance, they let you know that they are legitimate contractors. Now, make sure that the name of the company on the insurance matches the name of the company on the contract, matches the name of the company on the website. You've got to you've got to really pay attention to the details here. Um, last but not least is um, a license. Now, this is a little tricky. Not all states require them, and uh, I believe Texas is actually one of them. They they require licenses for certain things. Um, I believe mold remediation might be one of them, but uh, not a general not contractor, a, right? Not a general. Now that I, I didn't know until we started doing research, and I I don't know doesn't make sense how you can how you can allow people to be a general contractor without having a license in the state there's no way of verifying anyone's information or finding them if they disappear or or any type of regulation within the industry so um that might be a little bit harder to accomplish but you know if you go through the bid process you go through the contract process and you have the insurance um these are all really good telltale signs that you're working with above board individuals. And and I know I said last but not least with the licenses, but really last but not least is permits. Make sure they're pulling permits through the construction office and um and uh and the construction department knows, you know, knows that you have a, a job going on because that means inspectors will be coming out to verify all the work and make sure that you're passing the necessary codes. And and I mean by way of example, I remember John when we were when we did the hurric- uh, the Hurricane Sandy That's rebuild. I was going to talk about, yep. You know, we uh, we were doing it, it for a television show, so it was an accelerated time uh, schedule, and we had an RV, and we're sleeping in the front yard with a generator. We were running the whole job site off generators, matter of fact. They didn't even have power in the neighborhood yet. Um, but I remember meeting an inspector at 6 o'clock in the morning um, because that's how much they cared to get out and help the community and make sure that they were making themselves available to anybody who was back there, you know, getting, getting their house back together. So, you know, like we said, in, in, in these hard times, the vast majority of the community pulls together and they go above and beyond. And we're, we don't want to lose sight of that, but we do want to be talking about the more unscrupulous element here um, and, and trying to help you guys a- a- avoid that. Yeah, and and we had in that season of cousins on call. Um, of course, we did your parents' house down the shore. Right. But thinking of the other episodes that we did, the the episode that you were just talking about when you were meeting with the inspectors, that was the Ellen episode when we did the the entire house, um, and it was a really really big build. But we went to the building department and we had to check certain things with them to make sure what we were allowed to build, what permits we were allowed to pull. So I think- Well, you know, the other thing we had to get cleared, if you remember, is we had to be cleared to go into the area because they were only opening certain areas at certain times. Correct. And that's really important too, because a lot of these inspectors were going out, so you guys understand why, and they were verifying- the structures, yep. you know, there were, th- this was down the shore where there was a lot more water than even in Jersey city, but you know, structures can get compromised if they're submerged for too long. So they were going neighborhood by neighborhood and, and making sure that it was even safe to be inside that structure right. to clean it out. That's actually a great point because you want to make sure you're checking with your building department with your local officials to see when they're doing that, if they're doing that, because God forbid 
you start doing work on your house and you try to really push it out, you're saying, oh, I'm going to start the clean out process. I'm really going to get going. And they come in and they deem it an unsafe structure and you can't go back to your house. Not only the heartache that has just happened, but now you're out the money and the, and the time that you put into starting the, that process. Right. And, and something that I just want to make sure, you know, the, the one episode that we did um, in, in Hoboken uh, for the, the couple that was just having, they were getting ready to, to have their baby, their basement. So the, the, the basement that was um, flooded out, they had water almost up to the ceiling. When, we, when you went in there, you first pumped them out. It was waist high. Right. It was, it was a I beast. Walk, I walked through it. Yeah. So, okay. I had to get the pump in there for them. So, you pumped them out. Yep. Then once you pumped it out, then the serve pro or whoever came in there, the, the, the mold service came in, mm-hmm. cleaned it out, but we allowed it to dry out. We did not start that job for a yeah. minimum of a month well, later. Well, I think we'll get into that when we get to the process. Um, let's finish going through... Um, Verifying the contractor, get yeah, get, just avoiding these scams first, and then let and then we'll dive into that okay. in the next couple minutes here. So uh, you know, again, guys. So after paperwork, it's about verifying, verifying the, the contractor. contractor, making sure they are actually a contractor. Are they real? Are they not pulling a scam? And 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 let's just just for just for a little additional frame of reference, you know, and we saw this in Hurricane Sandy when when you have a disaster this size, guys come in from out of state for work. The vast majority are solid contractors who, you know, listen, a lot of the local contractors lost their equipment. They Their tools don't work anymore. Things got flooded out for them. So you're at a very big shortage of, of contractors who can actually do this work and are ready to go. So people do come in from out of state. That's not something that should raise a red flag. But when they are in from out of state, you do have to do your due diligence in checking that they are a reputable company. Yeah. And you're going to go on the website, of course, make sure that they have a real website. Um, call a phone call number. Call a phone number, street address. You can check with their local Better Business Bureau to see if they're listed there. Yep. Um, also check re- references. Go onto their website, see jobs they've done. See if you can call up anybody that, has, that they've done work for. These are things you have to do a little more due diligence when you do see somebody that is out of state. And I think a good reference is also see if they've started any work with friends or other homeowners in your neighborhood. Because if they've started some other work with them and you can- And they're showing up. they're showing up, you know, okay, you know what? This person is the real deal and they actually are trying to help out. Yeah, absolutely. And and one other thing I want to touch on, just, just hopping back to payments, something we didn't say. So- you know, the, and we're going to talk about the serve pros and the and the you know the the disaster cleanup type companies. But if you are hiring a contractor to do your job soup to nuts, meaning they're going to come in and and clean out, and then they're going to start the rebuilding process for you, and you're going to do all that work with one company, just remember that to clean a property out doesn't cost them anything. They already have their sledgehammers, they already have their sawzalls, they already have the tools that they need to dismantle all of the stuff that needs to come out of that house. So really, the only thing that you're paying for out of pocket is dumpsters. And those dumpsters are a couple hundred bucks, maybe, 
I don't know. But What's it up by? Normally, it's like 40 orders around uh, 700 bucks? It's a normally around like 500. 500. Yeah. Okay, fine. It's going to vary depending on your area. But my point is, there's no money involved in the clean out process. So if you want to say to the con, if the contractor says, look, I got to pay for dumpsters, say, you know what? I'll, I'll be here. I'll pay for the dumpster uh, when, when the driver drops it off. You don't need anything. Bring your tools and get started. That's a great way to start building trust. And, um, and and uh, and not having to come out of pocket to somebody that you don't know in in a high stress environment, and beyond that, we you know we encourage you go back listen to the payments episode uh, with specific focus on the weekly payments section. If you do weekly payments, it's smaller checks. You're building trust together. The contractor knows you're going to pay. You know the contractor's going to show up, and everybody starts sleeping a little better at night. And and one point I, I want to make also is don't get, I think if a contractor is from an area that you're not familiar with out of state, maybe, I mean, Texas is a large, it's a very big state coming from a, another area of Texas. Don't be afraid to ask for those references. Don't get nervous saying, oh man, I know I, I don't want the guy just to leave or he's going to get mad at me because I'm asking. say it straight up. Say, that's Listen, what I would there's say. scammers in the neighborhood. We're just, we really want to make sure this is, yeah. you know, this is going to get done right. You seem like the right person for the job. What can you, what can you help me out with here? Can you, can I call some references? Can you, you know, I don't know, whatever, whatever questions you think are, are appropriate um, based on what we just lined out, uh, lined out, <laughs> based on what we just outlined. Yeah. Um, you know, don't, my cousin's right. Don't be afraid to ask those questions. And and make sure that you're talking to your insurance company ASAP. Find out if they can give you any detail on what they're covering. They might not be able to give you the full picture because I can only imagine they're, they're also very inundated, but maybe they can give you a broad outline to try to figure out how you can kind of go about the process and start going down that road with the contractor. Absolutely. Um, guys, the last two parts of this, um, before we get into process, we're just going to talk a little bit about documentation and some resources for you. Uh, all the resources we will list in the show notes with phone numbers and, uh, and web addresses as well. Uh, documentation. This is key, guys. This is key for insurance. This is key for FEMA. Um, and it's just, it's key for your records, for taxes, uh, as John was mentioning early, earlier. Uh, Resale. But I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. Tons of photo. Yep. Digital storage is cheap. Take pictures, take video. When in doubt, capture it before, during, and after. You need to have it all. Absolutely. Um, I, I suggest that you don't just leave them in your camera roll. Um, I would suggest making some folders um, I would organize it by stage of the job. So before, during, after, and then you can organize it by room in the house and by date. Um, you know, you, you can do it in wh whatever manner makes sense to you, but you want, you know, in theory, you're going to have, you should have a couple thousand images by the time this project is done. More is better. <laughs> More is better. And you want to make sure you can get to what you need when you need it in an efficient manner. So figure out a file structure that's going to work for you. Um, and, and then go from there. Uh, last but not least, uh, in this section, we're talking about resources. So Better Business Bureau, we've got a website in the show notes for you there. 
Uh, there is an organization called the National Center for the Prevention of Home Improvement Fraud. It's a nonprofit. It started back in 2009. Uh, the phone number for them, 404-902-6100. They can answer any questions you might have if you feel like a process is not going down the right road. You're unsure of how to deal with these things. Um, they do have people that are on the ground. I'm, I'm sure with the sheer amount of people affected by these storms, they're going to be a little understaffed to deal with everyone. But we've also got their, um, their website listed, um, and they've got some great information there as well. And then last but not least, we've got uh, a website for Texas licenses, what is and is not required, and for Florida licenses, what is and is not required. Those are both government websites, and it, it'll give you a little information on on what uh, people are required, what contractors are required to have as far as licenses in your area. All right. So now that you want to get into the process a little bit, we can explain about the job. I mean, the... the you know, the, the crazy part is when we see this, we've had the firsthand knowledge. We've worked on these jobs, so we know exactly what goes into it and what the steps that you really need to take to ensure that you're fixing your house in the proper manner. Uh, well, I think the, the, the simplest way to, to go about this is to say that the process doesn't change, change. all that much. Yeah. You know, the construction is is 100% process-driven. There is an order of operations. The thing that changes here is that your home was underwater. So prior to step one of the construction process, you need to do some verification work with your contractor and with a structural engineer to make sure the home is structurally sound. And the contractor also, you want them to do mold remediation um, and make sure that that you have no you know, harmful um, airborne substances within, within the home. Yeah, and, and that's why when as soon as after it is pumped out or the water, you know, moves back and and things start to really start drying out, you're allowing your home to dry out in the proper manner. You're giving it enough time. You're saying, okay, you know, after after the, after the first day, um, I'm I want to start, you know, putting sheetrock back up. No, guys, it. I would. You're gonna have to wait a couple weeks for it to really dry out, and you have those mold those mold specialists come in and say everything's okay. It's not that there isn't any any issues with uh, two by fours or it's it's growing on your wood anymore. If they have to come in and spray because they have they can come in and spray after the fact to kill some of that mold. Those are the big things. Make sure that's done, and then you start the process of okay. Now I'm going to start rebuilding, but first things first, I'm going to start with the contracts and I'm going to start figuring out exactly how I'm going to put this back together. And keep in mind too, you know, you don't need a very special solution to kill black mold. You need bleach mixed with water. Um, it's, a, it's a simple solution. Uh, off the top of my head, I don't remember how many parts bleach to how many parts water. I think it's 50-50, but you can go on the internet and figure that out. And as long as you're buying a really good respirator at your uh, at your local hardware store, and making sure that you're not in that home without the respirator on, with clean air filters in them, you, you can handle a lot of this. Um, you know, I, I think that doing work after a disaster like this can be therapeutic, and we know that everybody needs to save money, especially now. So, you know, it it is something that is not terribly. Um, 
It's not terribly uh, labor-intensive work. Uh, you need a pump spray bottle, you need bleach, you need water, and you need a, a, a good uh, a good respirator. But it is something that, that you can do. Um, the important part, like John was saying, is making sure that everything really has the time to dry out, that all the damp sheetrock is cut. You know, you want to cut it probably about six inches to a foot above yeah. the the visible water line or the visible damp line. Because if you do have sheetrock, um, if you do have mold in that sheetrock and you don't cut it high enough, it is going to continue to grow. Um, you know, Serve Pro, we mentioned a little earlier, they're a national chain. Yes, they are franchised. So you want to make sure that the owner of the franchise you're working with has, is 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 up to standards, um, but they're very good. And and then the thing with with a franchise is that their order of operations and their procedures have been normalized from East Coast to West Coast, so you 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 have a better sense of what you're getting. And they are water and mold specialists. I mean, we had we had serve pro professionals descend on New Jersey. I believe the furthest license plate I saw was from Virginia. Um, but these guys were there in force. And man, they were cleaning people's homes out, cutting that sheetrock out, spraying for mold. They had the big floor fans uh, dry, you know, drying the floors out. Their and, trucks were everywhere. Yeah. Everywhere. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, it's you can have a little bit more of a sense of confidence with, with a national uh, chain like that because – you know, again, there's a set of standards that they're operating by. You can go on the national website and and call the customer service number if you have any issues there. Um, so they're definitely one to uh, one to look into, and I'm and I'm sure everybody's got got good local guys as well. Um, but after after you do let it dry out, and after your contractor, architect, engineer, uh, or a combination thereof have verified your foundation and your structure. Um, you know, you can you can start to dive into the process, and the process starts where it always does, back at the beginning. You're going through the project planning uh, stages f- from from the beginning. I think the only thing that really changes for you is that we're probably a little less concerned with design because we're not we're not designing our dream project. We're getting our family back into our homes, so you can really shorten that process up by saying. We simply want to rebuild what we have. We're not looking to reinvent the wheel or redesign this entire home. We just got to get it back, you know, built back, get a roof back over my kids' heads and 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 get moved back into the home. Um, so that, that you can shorten up, but the communication, the conversations, the contracts, the payment schedules, the change orders, the uh, procedures, all of that stuff, guys... I know you want to get back into your home, but you've, you you want to be doing everything. And one one note I want to really make sure because, again, referencing back to the couple that we did in Hoboken, if you remember, one of the biggest things was the electric. When we went there, we had to make sure that everything was working properly, that yeah. what what had water damage, what didn't have water damage. And remember that that little fire actually started over by the panel because they had one of, I think they had a main panel. I think their main panel might've been upstairs, but they had a sub panel downstairs. They had a sub panel that got submerged. That got submerged. So- Well, the big problem by us was that you know, it was it was salt water. Salt water too. Yes, um, it really corroded a lot of, of the wires, and it 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 just did not allow any of the mechanicals to remain. Um, but you know, that's something that 
your contractors are going to be looking into and 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 verifying that they still work or they don't work. But it's definitely something to Those, be aware yeah, it's of. It's just it's the extra detail. I I think when you're gonna be look because of course inside of a home you know, if you're anything, look the the rule of thumb. I think you'd agree. If it was submerged, it's it should cut come out. out. It's good. It's it's, it's going to be. If your hot water heater was halfway underwater, it was fully underwater. Yeah. If your electrical panel was underwater, stuff like that, the the corrosion that's going to happen over years, the possibility for for uh, an electrical fire, uh, that's not going to sit with me. You know, yeah, you're going to rip it out and put it back in. And and I I think you're absolutely right. I think it's those are the things because again. If you don't take out that electric and there was some saltwater corrosion or some issues, you close everything up, that's when you're really going to get hit with the major problems a couple months down after you just re- rebuilt everything. Um, you know, And I, I want to ask you this. Do you, I, I mean, I know for that specific family, I'm, I'm thinking now things you can do to, of course, there's only so much you can do to to, I guess, stay safe or prevent something like that happening in the future. But for them, that family specifically wanted concrete floors. They, they had wood down in their basement. Hoboken, so everyone knows, is prone to flooding, just as, as an FYI in general, even when it rains hard. Um, so that was something that we did for that family. They said, hey, look, if we can do concrete floors, right. even if it rains really hard or if some other big storm, maybe not a hurricane comes through, we can if if some water, not as much, of course, yeah, that came. Uh, the other the other suggestion that that we made to them is, you know, we moved that additional sub panel upstairs. Yep. And you know, you really want to try if 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 the whole home has been flooded out and you've got the ability to reconfigure a few things, you may want to talk to the architect about moving your mechanicals above wherever that flood level was. Now that's not always possible, and you know, we we certainly hope that. That this is the anomaly and not the new norm. Um, where we are by the Hudson River and knowing that Hoboken floods, you know, we tried to. I mean, on a going forward basis, we we really changed the way we did renovations in in brownstones because we just had this fear that this it happened once, it could happen again, and and we tried to move all the mechanicals, all the electric meters, all the electric sub panels above whatever that high water mark was. Um, and sometimes, you know, that is going from a tank hot water heater to a tankless because a tankless, you can hang damn near the ceiling if you wanted to. That doesn't have to go on the second floor, but, you know, you can you can hang it way high on that ceiling and you can, to my cousin's point, you can uh, rebuild your home in a manner that allows you to consider, hey, if this happens again, what can I do to to alleviate some of the expenses that might happen next time? I know one thing that we did for them also, as far as insulation, we did that the hard cell insulation. So it was the foam. Foam, that, yeah. Yeah, so it's the foam that, that hardens up. It's not your normal bat insulation. Spray foam. Yeah, exactly. So that was something that was big as well. Um, if you have the spray foam and you get the water, you don't have to worry about having... Well, spray foam has no mold growth. Exactly. Um, so it's another thing that if it happens, you don't have to pull that out. Right. Um, and that was... If you remember, you remember pulling how gross that stuff was? Uh, it was... I couldn't forget it if I tried. Bro. Because, I mean, everyone knows insulation. It's, it, it's, it's itchy and when it gets on you, but that... It was like 
gook inside the wall and pl- well, I mean, it was without getting too gross. I mean, all the sewers crazy. backed up. You can imagine, and I, and I know a lot of you guys are dealing with that right now. Um, but I, but I think those are things you can ask your contractor. You can say, hey, look, I know I'm going to rebuild. You made a great point. I don't think you're going to be making this into a process where you're going to be going into a long, in-depth design. You want to rebuild what you had there. But if you're going to rebuild what you had, make the necessary changes that are easy to prevent something in the future. So if you are in an area that is prone to even getting a little water because of heavy rains or storms that come through, do these things now and protect yourself as much as possible in the future. Absolutely. So, uh, Texas, Florida, our heart is, uh, our hearts are with you. Um, you guys stay strong. There's a lot of good people out there helping. And, uh, we are, we are currently working on a few things, um, in the background, trying to, uh, trying to get mobilized to get down there. Um, and we want to do it with cameras because we know that with this 24 hour news cycle, once it disappears and it's off the radar, we know how much more, uh, there's going to be to rebuild. So, Stay strong down there. Um, and again, anybody listening who knows somebody directly affected, we would certainly appreciate you passing this episode along. Um, and last but not least, in the show notes, uh, we will have phone numbers and websites to the resources we mentioned. Guys, this was another episode of Home with the Cousins. Thanks for listening. Hey guys, real quick before you go, we just want to say thanks for listening to the show this week. And if you have a second, please subscribe on the Apple Podcast app or wherever you get your podcasts. And share the show with your friends so we can keep growing this great community. Remember to check out homewiththecousins.com to read our show notes from this episode, see past episodes, download our free renovation document package, or just to send us a note. You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Carino Anthony and at Culinary John. Our show is produced and edited by yours truly, with original music intro and outro created by Steve and Joseph Padula. I'm Anthony Carino, and thanks for listening.